When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Sixer Sense Podcast. On today's episode, we discuss the Sixers' emphatic Game 3 victory, as well as give our thoughts on the other conference semifinal series. Let's get to it. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Sixer Sense Podcast. Coming off a of Game 3 win, we got Joey, Tito's, AJ, and Matt. What's going on, boys? Boys. It's a good morning. <laughs> Victory Friday. It's a great morning. Yeah, so Game 3 win at home. The Wells Fargo Center was popping 116.95. Before the starters went out, it was a 26-point lead the Sixers had. And I'm here for all the overreactions. Game 3 overreactions. Sixers and 5. Sixers are the finals. I want to hear it all. Joel Embiid is the greatest big man to ever live. Sixers are winning the finals. I don't care what anyone says. Post-game live on Comcast, they had like a poll-up. It was which is more possible, Sixers and five, or Raptors win the whole series. And it was like 88 to like 12, Sixers and five. It was hilarious. <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, Joel Embiid, gastroenteritis free, is probably the best big man ever. Five blocks. Almost, <laughs> he had that three where he... He did a, the classic Mo Williams three headbanger, and then Marcus Gasol pushed him. That was hilarious. But just that whole entire game, that was the one of the best. The Wells Fargo is the loudest I've heard. Mark Jackson, like AJ said, was the loudest arena's been to all year. And from start to end, it just was such a smooth game with our starting five finally looked to gel 100%. And, yeah, like I said, start to end, it was an incredible game. That was by far the cleanest game they've played all year. Just every, everyone was on. Jimmy, I mean – Jimmy almost had a triple double, and no one's even talking about that, you know. And it, it that was like I said, by far that was the most complete game they've played all year. That's that's the best basketball you'll see them play. And when they play ball like that, they can beat anybody, in my opinion. I guess you could say that like Kawhi Leonard took over for a bit in the third quarter, but obviously that's that's more on him being like this incredible player rather than the Sixers. So yeah, just like I said, from that point, it was like. From minute one to minute 48, it was just incredible basketball all the way through without any let-ups. I didn't know they were capable of that fourth quarter run to start. 21-3, to and it wasn't even like Toronto was like kind of just like missing their shots. Like The Sixers just grabbed that game by the throat. And considering how good Toronto is, like that third quarter and like 
half of the fourth quarter. That was the best basketball they've played all year. I can't be convinced otherwise. Yeah, they're, that, that team defense was, was insane. I mean, closeouts, you know, contested shots. One thing they did really well is they started to double-team Kawhi, and it's like Kawhi's not the best playmaker, so it's okay to double-team because he's not one of the best passers there is. And they go and double-team him, and then Kawhi would kick it back out, and the Sixers did a really good job of rotating recovery and recovering on defense, which is, like, it's especially in playoff basketball, to gamble like that is uh, pretty high risk, but they were very capable of, like, recovering and getting back in the rotations and getting back on their guys and one thing Brett Brown did last night is he went back to the game one matchup with Tobias on Siakam and then Embiid on Gasol, which kind of made me scratch my head at the beginning of the game. But Pascal had a decent game, but I say Tobias did pretty well defending him. I mean, Pascal had 20 points again, but besides Pascal and Kawhi, no one's really scoring. And the bench has been, for Toronto, the bench has been god-awful this entire series. Yeah, um, the... Like, like I, I was telling you guys earlier, the Sixer bench has outscored the Raptors bench in this series 73-30, to 30, which, I mean, obviously game one being all that garbage time probably skews it a lot, you know, in the end. But the fact – Toronto has a great starting, you know, rotation. But I, and I know that the rotations are supposed to shorten when the playoffs, you know, come around. But you're going to need production from your bench at least a little bit. You know, their reserves have been almost a no-show for a majority of the, of the series so far that's, that's like what um most people have looked at toronto like before the playoffs and they were like yeah this team can go to the finals because of their depth because of their bench because they can go you know one through eight but the sixers have just totally eliminated that in these first couple of games fred van vliet has been an absolute no-show and norm powell just gets exposed defensively and they keep putting him on jimmy butler when Butler and Tobias are in the game, they run those pick and rolls, and Norm Powell is getting torched on defense. So just continuously, like uh, I remember Game Two, two of Jimmy Butler's three and ones were on Norm Powell. Actually, two of the four of his and ones were on Norm Powell, and Jimmy just they put like a what Norm Powell's like six four, six five, put him on Jimmy, but Jimmy just like powers him inside. And speaking of the pick and roll. This is one thing that Brett Brown's done is he's started to run a lot of pick and roll. And then he did it this game with Joel Embiid on the floor. Usually they do it when Joe and Ben are out and they just let Jimmy and Tobias run it with um, Greg Monroe and James Ennis on the floor. But last night they did it with Embiid on the floor. He had like those short, those short rolls and Gasol just his perimeter defense is terrible. And he just keeps getting exposed and they keep scoring on him. Man, I couldn't fall asleep till like 3 a.m. last night either. Yeah, I was wired last night after that game. That was hard to sleep. Yeah. I got back at like 2. I was trying to go to sleep, but I was up for another hour just watching highlights from the game. I think I right, watched so, a wheel dunk on loop like at least 50 times and then 50 more. Well, he dunked and then he did the Jason Terry jet down the floor and then he went up to the crowd. and that You see that old white guy that was mimicking what he was doing? That, was, God, a, that was such an awesome moment. He nearly bricked the shit out of that dunk. <laughs> it was close. It was very close. There was a dunk earlier in the game that he missed, but I was ready for the crowd to erupt if he had hit it. He got fouled and got oh, the free yeah. throws. Oh, that poster. Yeah, no, he, he almost sent Gasol back to Spain. Like, there would have been an earthquake in Philadelphia if he hit that. Let's talk about Kawhi, actually, then. He's having, a, like, a LeBron-type performance, and what I mean by that is his team has become so dependent on him to produce and be the guy to carry the team. And I don't have the stats in front of me, but I saw like a tweet earlier that showed the stats of when Kawhi's on the court versus when he's off the court. And the discrepancy is enormous. It's like 
everything he does when he's on the court gets completely obliterated by the bench when he sits down for a few minutes. And I mean, I Toronto, the Raptors organization is really, you know, giving Kawhi reason to bolt out of there and head to L.A. I think the net rating with Kawhi off the floor is like negative 53 and there are like offensive ratings like below 60 with him off the floor. And he's only been on the bench for like less than 30 minutes in the series. Like this series kind of reaffirms the belief that overall star power always wins, always wins out in the playoffs. When you, when you think about the stats outside of Kawhi and really Siakam, Siakam's had a good series, but who, who has had a, an overall, you know, productive series outside of those two when you think about it Lowry had a decent game too he had like 20 points but he's disappeared again last night Gasol has been a minus he had a minus 26 last night if I remember correctly so yeah, has been like almost unplayable yeah they have no help on the bench at all I was thinking yeah. they might have thrown Jeremy Lennon yesterday just to because Van Fleet's just been so just not productive just to get some more offense but they didn't do that either I think they missed Ananobi too that's yeah. huge, yeah. Yeah, but just looking at the stats from last night, Lowry, minus 28, Gasol, minus 26, Siaka, minus 18, even Kawhi, minus 11, Norman Powell, minus 12, Van Fleet, minus 10. That, that ain't getting it done at all. People were talking about how Kawhi might stay just because of Siakam, but the Clippers have Lou Williams getting $8 million a year, and Harrell and Lou Will have the, like the best pick and roll. I know Harrell's a free agent this year. But if they bring him back on a cheap deal, Kawhi should bound to go to LA, especially after this series. Kawhi shouldn't have to work this hard for a two seed to win. I know the Sixers are really good, but I thought the Sixers bench was pretty thin, but this Raptors bench has been horrific. Not even just the bench, just the everyone not named Kawhi Leonard and Siakam has not played well at all. Danny Green had a decent game last night. Before that, this series, JJ Redick has been defending him pretty well. I never thought we'd ever say that, that JJ defended a guy well. So who said Kawhi Leonard is a human? I mean, it's a valid question. Have, like, have you ever seen Kawhi like take an elbow in the teeth, and he like you ever seen him bleed? Like, like do we know he swims? Like, is he a robot? Is he allowed to like? I don't know. He's just not a normal human being. I think he's made a lot. He is the Terminator. <laughs> I feel like he sleeps in like. Like a t- some kind of tank. He doesn't sleep in the bed, just like flat on his back, stiff, straight in the tank. He has to recharge. He has the perfect basketball body. The long arms, the broad shoulders. He can jump out of the roof. I saw this thing. Kawhi Leonard's hands are 50% wider than the, the average male. My God. <laughs> yeah, and what's crazy is Ben, his role this series isn't related too much on offense because they're running a lot of pick and rolls now, and his role is just to defend Kawhi and Ben's been defending Kawhi incredibly and Kawhi's still putting up 33 like 30 points 45 points every game so or game one he didn't defend him but Kawhi's been on a tear and I don't think anyone can stop him yeah the the stats don't do Ben's defense any justice at all he he's sticking with him almost every single play I mean he's contested so many of his shots but Kawhi because he's a robot still gets him to go down which is incredible which shows you how good he is yeah, testament to Kawhi Leonard being unstoppable and not really Ben's defense because Ben's defense has been incredible. Some of those shots, Ben, you, he contested them as much as you can without fouling the guy, and Kawhi's still making it. If Kawhi retires right now, is he already a Hall of Famer? Easy. Yeah. yeah. 21-year-old Kawhi was shutting down LeBron in the finals. Let's move on to Brett Brown. So I think if the series, let's say the Raptors win three straight and they win in six games, I think Brett Brown keeps his job. 
even like last round, he makes he's made adjustments game to game throughout this whole series, and especially in this series against the Raptors, he's completely out coached Nick Nurse. And he's changed up their defense. He made defensive adjustments. The offense now is running like high frequency pick and rolls compared to their traditional just pass. They're like high rate pass offense, a lot of motion, run through Joel in the post. And then now Joel is the screener on pick and rolls. And they're just letting Tobias and Jimmy, a lot of Jimmy just run those pick and rolls. And then Ben also last, I noticed Ben off ball. We've mentioned this before. Ben had a very active role off the ball last night setting screens, which is something good to see. Yeah, I love the the Joel and uh, Jimmy pick and rolls. That those things are they are so lethal. I mean, you can't you can't help but but keep going back to them over and over. And being yeah, a man is a lot less taxing on his body. Like he doesn't have to fight for inside position and bang around down low. Like he just gets a lot more cleaner looks when he's the role man. I think in game two, Joel seeing, because Monroe had 10 points in game two, eight of those 10 points were him being a roll man on the pick and roll and him rolling to the basket and then just getting like a one dribble, like hook shot over. And I think Embiid might have saw that be like, dude, that's, I mean, like you said, it's so much easier for him. And he's had, he's been struggling to find his shot this series. And last night he was scoring at will. I think that Embiid and Butler has become arguably like one of the most deadly combos in the NBA. At least that's what we've seen in this series and in the last series too. Jimmy gets the max. Even if they lose the series, give them five one ninety. I don't care. Remember uh, the podcast that we did like two weeks ago. I was saying that like what player in the playoffs has his stock rising higher than Dame Lillard? Now I think we got to put Jimmy in that conversation. Like what player? is really, you know, taking that next level more than Jimmy Butler right now. Like, him and Dame are sort of on the same level in terms of, like, who's just, you know, really putting themselves up there. Yeah, Jimmy is right behind Dame, easily. Yeah, I, I saw some people talking about Jokic, but you can't you can't say Jokic is playing well when he's dropping 35 and 10 on Ennis Kaner with a one-arm Ennis Kaner and then Zach Collins. Like, that's not that impressive. So it's definitely Jimmy and or James Butler and Dame. Yeah, don't get it twisted. It's it's James Butler right now. Yeah, sorry, we've messed it up this whole entire podcast. In <laughs> the room. Oh, AJ, what were you talking about the 2017 Eagles vibe with this team? Oh, I was just kind of thinking last night. Like last night might have been the moment where the team themselves and the fan base kind of realized that this could be something special because if there's any Eagles fans out there, and you remember the Los Angeles Rams game when Carson went down, and Nick Foles came in, got the win, made some big throws at the end, and the defense stepped up, and then the game ended, and then all the Eagles were like jumping into the stands to celebrate with the fans, and it was, and the Rams were a great team at the time, and it was kind of the moment when you realize like the like this might be the year when the Eagles can really put a run together, and I think last night was really similar. Like I think everyone's kind of realizing that this team can go as far as it wants to go. This team just has so much charm about them. They have so many just lovable characters that, that you just can't help but cheer for. I don't know if they're as charming as the, as, as the 2017 Eagles, but they're making a strong case, you know, for being as, as lovable as that team was. I think last night it was like the moment it was like the Sixers have arrived. You know what I mean? Like, just to put it that simply, like, this, the Philadelphia 76ers have arrived. Like, they're here, and they can go 
as far as they want to go. They got the magic, they got the chemistry, they got the charisma. It seems like they're starting to peak at the right time. Like the Sixers have arrived. They have the narrative too. This team has gone through so much from the process all the way through here. And Joel Embiid deserves it. This entire fan base deserves it for like sticking with this team. And I know the country might not be the biggest fan of the Sixers, especially Ben Simmons right now has gotten that uh, that villain tag to him again, which I love. But this team is it's firing on all cylinders right now. And what they're doing is so unprecedented too i mean i think this lineup of simmons reddick butler harris and b they've only played what like 16 17 games together like when you have a lineup that's only had that much experience with one another it's not supposed to be like midway through the second round of the playoffs you're supposed to have played your 17th game together back in like december or january it's this is like uncharted territory we haven't exactly seen a situation like this in years past yeah, like that that Heat team was what were they eleven and eleven to their first games, and it took them like a f- like over a fourth of the year for them to figure it out. And the Sixers had to do it like right at the end of the season, with MB not being one hundred percent through a lot of it and all this stuff going on. But like Joe said, this this just shows the Sixers team just shows star power wins, and the Sixers could come back and just like wet the bed for the rest of this series, which I don't think is likely. But as of right now, they're looking like one of the most dangerous teams in the NBA, if not the most dangerous. Tell you what, all the all the pressure, in my opinion, for Game Four is on the Raptors. The Sixers, well, they were the underdogs coming in, and even if the series goes back to Toronto tied two-two, I still think the Sixers are still in like a decent position. But the Raptors, it's like it's a must-win game because if they lose this game, Game Four, they go down three-one, they're not coming back. We all agree that if Philly wins game four, this this series is over in five, right? Easy, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know about five. Well, six is in six, worst case scenario. Which... Yeah, I think I think we're a little caught up in last night sometimes, but like Toronto's still deadly. We saw what Kawhi can do. I mean, I, I feel good about the series. I'll feel better about it after Sunday, hopefully. But I just think it's a little short-sighted to cut the Raptors short. But I hope I'm wrong, so we'll see. Tell me what version of Kyle Lowry is going to show up on Sunday, and that will help answer the question. I just haven't seen much outside of Kawhi and Siakam to be... I mean, yeah, they won game one, the Raptors, but the Sixers played terribly. And it wasn't much of the Raptors... Like, the Sixers made the adjustments after game one that were like obvious flaws and since then there hasn't been much pushback from the Raptors against that like Kawhi and Siakam score but there's literally no help from anybody else on a consistent basis Marcus Gasol offensively isn't giving you much on a consistent basis scoring like I don't even know if he's averaging 10 points a game Kyle Lowry is doing his normal Kyle Lowry playoff shenanigans where he just doesn't score and then he flops everywhere Danny Green finally started putting the ball in the basket last night and then like we talked about earlier the bench has been a no-show like oh they actually had the bench scored eight 15 points last night and four of those were Jody Meeks and five of those were four of those were Jody Meeks in garbage time and that was it so 11 points during the important parts of the game James Ennis and Monroe have been playing out of their minds and Mike Scott finally got back last night so it's 
I, I'm not seeing much from Toronto. I know this is like a one-game overreaction, but long-term, I think Sixers still win this series. I'm not saying it's going to be in five games. It might be in six, hopefully not seven, but I think the Sixers are definitely favored right now, despite them being one-point underdog on Sunday. Yeah, I said if they if, if they win game four, that it's in five. I mean, obviously, that, that is kind of an overreaction, but I do believe that if they pull out this game on a if they win game four, the series is over. I Even if it has to go six, it's over, in my opinion. i tell you what, though. If they do win uh, on Sunday and this series somehow goes to a seventh game, then I, I'm feeling extra nervous. I'm feeling like I'm like shaking in my bones if a game seven happens. I just think going down 3-1 would, like, short circuit Kawhi's robot brain and he would go into like hyperdrive mode and then he would just light it light us up for like or light the Sixers up for like 60 points and like 10 steals he'd go into hyperspeed yeah and his like eyes would change color and he would like start like shaking and he would grow two inches or something smoke starts coming out of his ears it just goes straight Schwarzenegger and Terminator 1 start speaking a different language or something too let's talk about ben simmons getting that villain tag again so he got it last series with the whole jared dudley thing and then last night he gets he goes up for that rebound and kind of got not undercut but he got bumped by lowry and fell and then he threw his elbow up and hit lowry in the groin and i saw a lot of people on twitter instagram all these big accounts were not liking it but i think I think that I think Embiid or not sorry I think Simmons people hating him I think that drives him so I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a game four Simmons outbreak on offense. I don't, I don't think that elbow was on purpose. Uh, from from my vantage point, I don't think it was on purpose. Yeah, this this isn't like Draymond kicking Stephen Adams in the nuts back in like a few years ago. Yeah, but yeah, this this isn't like that. I don't know if it was necessarily not intentional, but it wasn't like this dude could have just you know taken away. Lowry's hopes of ever having children. You know, it wasn't he like that. Over he stood over him. He tried to get him off him. He wasn't trying to send him to the ER. I mean, it was unfortunate, but not a whole lot of intent behind it. Ben Simmons being the villain that he is, people will jump on him for anything. Yeah, people, don't. first off, don't like that he's having a jump shot, and then he does something like that. People just like to hop on it. So I'm all here for it. When someone's hated it, it makes me like a guy even better. But I think like when you saw when you saw Simmons bump him with the elbow, it wasn't like Simmons looked up at him and then threw the elbow. He like just used his elbow to like get Lowry off him. He didn't know where. I don't think Simmons knew where he was gonna hit Lowry. I think he was just trying to push him off of him. Ben Simmons' role in this series, it's like I've heard so much. You know, watching ESPN, Fox Sports. Obviously, you guys know I'm big into these shows, and they're all saying that uh, you know, Ben Simmons needs to be more of a factor on offense and scoring the ball for the Sixers to have a chance. And I'm watching this game last night. I'm like, I don't, I don't think he has to. I think as long as they keep keep up what they're doing, I think Ben Simmons is fine as a third or fourth option for this team to succeed, which is a, it's just, it's a good thing. When you have five stars on a team, it's always going to be someone, el- someone else's night. It's not always going to be Ben's night, you know. And, you know, last night it was Joe's night. Game two was Jimmy's night. And – it, he doesn't always have to be the focal point. As long as he's like a, a solid third or fourth option on any given night, they're going to have a good chance of winning the game. Bivens is such a selfless player. He knows his role on the team, kind of like a Draymond-type role in the Warriors. 
He knows he doesn't need to score the ball when he has to set up the offense and then do his part on defense. And I think it'd be hard to find a, a better third or fourth option in the league. The alley-oop he threw to Jimmy last night was awesome. That was, yeah. Whenever he breaks out that yo-yo dribble, you know he's going to do it, too. Bends the ball to his other leg, and it comes right back into his hand. Yeah, that was when I knew they were winning the game at that moment. I was kind of worried in the third quarter when they had they had that 18-point lead, and then they dropped it again. And it's just like I had in, like that game, too, where they had this big lead, and they drop it, and then I started freaking out. And then they just, that fourth quarter, they just outburst it, and then that was it. They coasted the rest of the way. Well, they turned the ball over, and then Kawhi went six for six. <laughs> so it was a recipe for disaster. But then the beginning of that fourth quarter was just a tidal wave. Oh, talking about Mike Scott. Mike Scott finally came back last night. That was another – out of the th- everything that happened last night, we haven't even talked about Mike Scott yet, which just shows how much happened in that game. Yeah, the, the hive is back. The hive is alive and well. That tattoo that someone got uh, a few days ago, that was, that was cold. M. Dell. Yeah, shout out to Emdale. That was that was awesome. Surprised he actually did it too. He had the headband too. That was awesome. I think he's going to game five or four. Yeah, he's going on Sunday. That's crazy. Courtesy of Mike Scott himself. That place is gonna be popping. Game Man, five. I'd get a tattoo for playoff it. tickets. When Mike Scott checked in, he hit that contested three. That was the center was it was roaring last night. Can we say that was the best home crowd in maybe I don't know the last decade? It, it it just looked it looked insane. I don't th- I don't think they even had that kind of crowd last year. Oh no way, no chance. And if they if if they somehow play the Celtics in the conference finals, my gosh, that is going to be incredible. Honestly, I would rather I'd rather play the Celtics in the conference finals than the Bucks. Like and and this, I know the Celtics are uh, our worst matchup, but I'm I'm ready with this team to end this Celtics curse. To end the Embiid kryptonite from like that Horford's is kryptonite and Ben gets shut down, I'm ready just to like cancel all that out. They need to get that monkey off their back at some point. Yeah, bring the heat. But if they don't play the Celtics, I won't complain. I'm not worried about matchups or narratives. Just win ball games. We'll worry about the rest later. Oh, that's true. Definitely, yeah. It just would be a little bit sweeter if they beat the Celtics in the conference finals. But I mean, I, just whatever, win as many games as possible. I don't care where, how, who. And I think I think the NBA as a whole would love to see a, a Philly Boston matchup. That would be great for the league. I think the ratings for that would be a lot better than Sixers versus Bucks. Although I, I for us personally, I think we would all love to watch either one. But you know, just for the the casual fans out there, I think people would much rather watch the Sixers and Celtics. The yeah. league is definitely going to be pulling for that one. If that series happens, I'm going to Game Three and Four. You guys go to Game One and Two. We all, we always gotta have one of the staff members there. <laughs> yeah, Man, I, wish, I wish I had that kind of money. Yeah, I know me too. Oh, also, I was looking this up the other day. I was looking through my I have this spreadsheet of like Sixers contract stuff for next year. James Ennis has a 1.8 million dollar option next year. He's probably gonna decline it. But I know this is like an overreaction. But he's this this game we're talking about people stock rising. This like playoff so far, James is gonna get paid this summer. He's he's been by far the best bench player. This the may arguably that these whole playoffs. You, you, he's so he's just so versatile that you can use him in every single lineup that they put out there. Brett's been doing recently is he just keeps James Ennis on the floor with 
Tobias and uh, Jimmy Butler. And I think his plus minus last night was a yeah, he had a plus 20 last night, which is the only he was the only guy off the bench that was in the positives. But yeah, like you said, you can you can put him at positions two through four and you can defend all those guys. Yeah, he was a plus 20. He was the same as as a Tobias. Wow. He was acquired for a second round pick swap. He used it up yep, for free. Yeah, like that was a huge move on Elton's part. Gave away absolutely nothing and got a major playoff contributor. Is Elton going to be executive of the year? He's got to be in the top three. Yeah, he's going to be up there. Yeah, I had um, Masai, I think Sean Mark second, and then Elton third on my imaginary ballot. When Embiid goes off and he gets sixes are winning and Embiid's having a good game, just just watch him on the floor is one of those like joyful things to do. Like his he rocked he did the rust rocked a baby down the floor, like we said earlier. He did the the Jason Terry jet. He like did the Allen Iverson like ear up to the crowd. It's it's priceless. He said I, it. Oh no, go ahead. I'm just saying like I, I love Embiid's antics. I think like it just shows like his uh, his confidence and charisma. I, I think the Sixers fans eat it up. I think we eat it up. I think it's just, I, I love it. It's one of my favorite things about him. He said after the game, that's how he gets his edge. He, he said um, it, it was something to the effect of, if, if I'm not smiling on the court, I'm either having a bad game or I'm not into it. And it's so true. Wow. Yeah. It dude's just having a ball. He's a grown, he's a grown baby. <laughs> Yeah, speaking of funny stuff, let's talk about Greg Monroe's botched layup. No, Thank goodness the Sixers were winning, seen. but do you guys see the athletic article about that last night? What uh, what Jimmy said about it? Because Jimmy, a lot of times after games, he'll act like a reporter, and he went up to he went up to Greg Monroe after and like asked him about it, and Monroe's like, "Dude, I'm I'm gonna throw hands next practice." <laughs> he like went up, and then like halfway through, he couldn't decide if he wanted to throw it down or lay it up and then it just rolled out of his hand and didn't even hit the backboard just <laughs> straight up bricked it he jumped off the wrong leg too he's like switching up midair well Kawhi did that too and then Kawhi just dunked it because he's a robot but that's that's my favorite highlight of the Sixers entire season just that missed layup attempt I don't care about anything else it's that one highlight that I'm just gonna keep in my keep replaying in my mind until I turn 85 also last night in the game we had the philly sports legends on the court we had ai camille djax Ertz, and alshon jeffrey that was super cool like after jimmy had that steal and dunk that zoom in they had on all those guys just going nuts that was awesome you said legends plural as in there was there was multiple i see one legend and just a reg, a bunch of regular guys no, i'm just playing i'm playing <laughs> You can just tell that this team gives AI such pure joy whenever he's there. His little dudes. His little dudes. <laughs> little dudes. <laughs> yeah, and that Embiid windmill to seal the game was insane. Like we said earlier, he almost he almost like got hung on it. But seeing a seven foot two guy do that is there's no one else like that. It's not the prettiest windmill, but it, it's 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 so good for a seven foot guy. Yeah, can it took a lot about, of balls to do that too. Can we talk about how? smooth his pump fake is like it, i feel like it works nine times out of ten just the shot fake is it better than Dwayne wade's will it be better than Dwayne wade's once we're uh once he's done oh that's a good question well i mean Embiid is the greatest big man to ever live and he's gonna finish with 12 rings so i mean yes 
there's something about slow ball fakes that like always get people and I'm not sure what it is. Like like they said last night, like Chandler Parsons is the same way. Like it's not a traditional like like body down ball up. Like it's everything goes up very slowly and everyone bites on it all the time. Yeah, because I remember work, Van Gundy was like every time. the the James Ennis has that same kind of one as Parsons and Embiid. Yeah, it shouldn't work, but it works. Like, you'd think eventually defenders are going to stop biting on that, and they're going to know in their heads, wait a minute, this is a fake, I'm not going to go for it, but it just seems to work every single time. Yeah, it's one of the beautiful things about not playing basketball. Like, in a game for two years for Joe, he could mess with that pump fake. And last night, he was 3 of 4 on 3, so they had they were definitely closing out on his jump shot. His first three when he hit that, like, jab step on Mark Gasol. Oh, I- he was in for a good night when he just sat there and just kind of like messed around with him and then just hit it square in his face. Gorgeous. When Embiid's hitting those threes and then when Mike Scott starts isoing and shooting threes off the dribble, it's over. <laughs> yeah, when Joe knocks down threes, you know, you know, it's over. He's about to just dominate. I think we also have to acknowledge that, you know, going 12 from 13 from the free throw line, it's pretty remarkable how a giant big man like Joel Embiid is near money at the line. You don't see that often. They said last night that he was second in makes on the year and third in attempts, and he only played 64 games. Yeah, I think the only ones ahead of him was uh, Harden and Giannis, if I'm not mistaken. And Joel Embiid is the uh, only player to go 30-10-5 this year, except for Joel Embiid when he did it in the net series. <laughs> what well, he's he probably only paid what twenty five minutes that game in the net series when he did when he did he that he played less than thirty last night oh yeah he had twenty eight minutes yeah man he so, did only play twenty eight minutes that's that's insane I got a question for you guys uh when does MB's current contract expire didn't he sound like a five year extension back in like twenty seventeen I think yeah it was the rookie extension before last season started. This well, is the first year of his, like, 25 mil, though, isn't it? It's the... the let me see. Yeah, I'll go on spot track. Because I know somebody, like, asked about it on Twitter because, like, like assuming they sign Tobias oh. and Jimmy for four years, it would cut into, like, half or, like, three-fourths of the MB deal. It's... So, yeah, so he's... His contract's backloaded, so... He still has four more. Oh, this is the first year. So it was an extension before last season. So it just kicked in. This is the first year that he was on it this year. So he still has four more years after this year. And it's backloaded. So he gets $27.5 million next year, 29 and a half in 2020, then 31 and a half, and then 33.6. If, so, if, if you can guarantee me 100% health for him be by the time he hits free agency, man, that contract that he's going to get, Oh, I don't even want to think about it. Poor Josh Harris, that luxury tax bill is going to be fat after the summer. Once Van gets extension, so. I don't feel bad about a billionaire spending money. He's got more of it. He's going to earn more of it. You want to own a team, pay up. That's true. And the process, too. Save money. What else we got on here? Uh, Monty going to Phoenix now. I I almost feel bad for Monty, not because I'm doubting his abilities, but you you want to talk about going from this team to jumping into a forced fire 
covered in gasoline. I mean, this thing's going to be tough. Uh, I don't know if he can turn things around. I don't know if anyone can turn things around in that organization. That's got to be like the worst organization in sports right now by a country mile. He's got yeah, Robert with though. Sorry. He's got yeah. Bridges, Iton, Booker, and then I think they have top three odds to get Zion. I mean, I definitely get why it's an attractive job. Robert Even Sarver though, is probably one of the worst. Him and Robert Sarver and James Dolan are the two worst owners in the league. Yeah, like even though they have the top three Zion odds, I feel like there's such a good chance that they they take John Morant anyway, even if they have the the number one pick. I'm pretty sure the Suns have like the second longest playoff drought in the entire NBA behind the Kings. I don't think they've been since uh, the Western Conference Finals back when they had Nash when they were playing against the Lakers with former Sixers assistant uh, Mike D'Antoni. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So let's talk some Rockets Warriors, Matt. So you said Rockets going to the finals. You still on that boat? All right, this rant is not going to be nearly as long as the one from the last pod, but I'm just going to leave it at this. I don't waver. I don't change up. So what happened is that we just saw the Warriors hold serve at home. Um, if you see how the Rockets played the other night, Tuesday night, they had double-digit turnovers and got killed on the offensive glass, but still lost by single digits. I think this Rockets team is so much more capable of playing to a much higher level than they've shown these last two games. First of all, they need to stop worrying about the referees. Second of all, they just need to get back in their groove, get their focus back, and I think they will. I expect them to come out locked and loaded uh, tomorrow night I expect them to win big. Not crazy big, but I can see them winning by, like, 15 points. And I think they'll win game four as well. Just like the Warriors held serve at home, I think the Rockets are going to hold serve at home. The series isn't really going to start until game five. While it's disappointing that they couldn't have gotten a split at Oracle, I still expect Harden to pull through. I expect CP3 to pull through. I expect Eric Gordon, uh, Austin Rivers, Gerald Green to hit shots. I expect Clint Capella to be the rim protector that he is. So I, I I just expect the Rockets to come out and show out and really show all of us, and including myself, why they are the team that's most equipped to beat the Warriors. Speaking of the complaining, I wanted to – what's your guys' take on the whole landing zone controversy that's been sort of plaguing that whole series? So – it's what Harden has been doing all year. It's what CP3 has been doing all year. My issue with the Rockets is that you normally you score, you try to score the ball while trying to get the foul. But for the Rockets, it's the other way. They're trying to get the foul and with the, uh, with the possibility of scoring. So I, I don't like that way of ball. I don't like that way of playing. And I get that. Harden has become like this mastermind at manipulating the rules and the refs and drawing these fouls. And it's a skill. Don't get me wrong. He's mastered it. But I want to see him go for the bucket and then have the foul be a secondary thing rather than rather than a reciprocal of that. I saw this ESPN. They had this. I think it might have been with Scott Van Pelt. He compared James Harden shooting a normal like set jump shot. And then him when he's drawing the fouls, he jumps like three extra feet forward. So... He is playing within the rules of the game, 
So you can't fault him for that. And he's putting up these numbers that have only happened a few times in history, what he's what he's done scoring the basketball. But at the same time, it's aesthetically, it's not fun to watch. He's just trying to draw fouls. He's not trying to make the shot, like Matt just said. I think there's going to be changes to it eventually, like the flop. There was changes to the hack shack They made changes to that. I think there is going to be changes to this because it's gotten, a little, it's definitely gotten out of hand. I think there's definitely going to be limits put on it. You can't blame him for doing it because it's within the rules of the game. What are your guys' thoughts about the Rockets auditing the NBA from last year's Game 7 of the Western Conference Finals? They literally audited, audited the league and found out all these missed calls and everything and claimed that they were robbed. And this this thing didn't come out until a few days ago, let alone the the 10, 11 months in between that series and this one. They said 83 missed fouls? Yes, they said something like that. And I'm like, wow, that's petty. My thoughts on that are Warriors and four. That's a complete loser move. I think top to bottom, that organization just really needs to bite the bullet and get the job done. That's, I don't know. I think that's soft. Last year was their year to win. They were Chris Paul hamstring away from winning a championship. And they didn't do it. And I love Daryl Morey, but like you said, that move was soft. They, what sucks is this is the series that we were looking forward to all year. And for us to only be talking about the refs after game one, just completely was a complete buzzkill for somebody that's not a fan of either team. Because I was so excited for this battle that was going on. And then after CP3 made it about the refs, James Harden made it about the refs, Dan Tony made it about the refs, Dale Morey made it about the refs. And then they released that audit. They said 83 fouls were missed, which fouls are objective. So like it wasn't released to the league. They just released it to the public. So they, they wanted people to see it. And to talk about a game that was last, like, oh, like a year ago, that I don't like that at all. I don't like it. It left a sour taste in my mouth. And it's like... They they just tried to make a mockery of the league. I don't I don't think their purpose was to really confront the NBA and you know try to push them into making some changes. I think their motive behind this was just to make a mockery of the league and make them look bad. So that that really does leave a sour taste in my mouth, especially as someone that's been backing the Rockets ever since last year's Western Conference Finals, which I believe that, like you said, a Chris Paul hamstring away. So even though I'm still picking them to win this series because I don't waver. Everything that's happened so far has left a really sour taste in my mouth. Yeah, they're just being extra petty. Focus on the game. Don't focus on the refs. They've gotten so much in their own heads during this whole series, and now they're in a 2 up hole. And James Harden can't see. Does, Dr- does Draymond Green wash his hands? Very, like, yeah, like that's a big part of this series. The dude needs two working eyeballs for this to be a possibility. I'm really curious if Draymond Green washes his hands because James Harden's eyes had like some – weird thing to it and then i saw this other um he hit somebody else in the eye a few years ago and their their eyes were like completely red too i don't know what's on his hands no Draymond to me he's definitely one of those grimy guys he's, he's the type of guy that picks his butt crack and then sniffs it and <laughs> <laughs> the scary part about that is i that might be true <laughs> does he eat his own boogers <laughs> Dude, oh my god he, de- he definitely picks his nose when he just like wipes it on his shorts and just goes back to doing his everyday thing does he blow his nose with his shirt <laughs> <laughs> Steph's finger fell out of its socket too the other night yeah I saw a picture of that the finger was like so like disformed like I get I get uh what's the word like 
woozy from that or whatever the word is because I, I don't like looking at injuries and stuff. So I was like, ugh. Also about the Rockets-Warriors series, they're getting no help. Austin Rivers finally came back, so that was nice. But Chris Paul hasn't been himself. Clint, hey, this is, my, this is one thing. So one thing about Clint Capello that a lot of people haven't liked is how he's he's a big man's size, but he's soft. And he's been getting powered by KD this entire series. KD's been boxing him out, pushing him out of the lane, and Capello can't create his own shot. And has basically, he's, been, he's honestly just been a minus on the floor this whole series. I mean, he, he'll get rebounds and stuff, but... On defense, he's been getting exposed by that Warriors offense. They just keep going at him. And then on offense, he's just not really providing much. Just Capella's played awful this series. Well, you're right about that. It's like, uh, from what I've seen, unless he's catching unless he's catching a hard lob at the rim, then he's, his impact is very minuscule. And then Daniel House, too, hasn't been knocking down his shots. They're, they're just missing Trevor Reza right now. P.J. Tucker's been playing well, but this team definitely doesn't have a lot of help. Like I said, I'm sticking with it, and I'm hoping and expecting a big turnaround tomorrow night. But I'm like, I'm like I said, if the Rockets lose, I will, come on the po- I will come on the following podcast and be ready to be smoked by all of you guys. <laughs> like 10 minutes of you apologizing to no one. Just you by yourself. The next hour and a half is just us tearing you to shreds. Not a single word about the Sixers. Just you guys making a mockery of me. Hey, they're still going to the finals, though. There's a chance. There's a great chance. Sticking with it. Anything else about this Rockets-Warriors series? No, I think, uh, unless you guys have other things to say, I think um, we pretty much covered more than I thought we were going to, too. You think Golden State sweeps them? Yes. Yeah, I do too. I think it's four. I think they win next two. Yeah, I agree. Rockets in seven. <laughs> <laughs> so have you guys been watching Blazers Nuggets at all? A little bit. I mean, not yeah. not as much. I got to tell you, something about um, the teams in that division just don't do it for me. I, I watched a lot of the Blazers Thunder series, but like those two, the teams in that division, the Blazers, Nuggets, Jazz, and Thunder, for whatever reason, they just they don't move the needle for me as much as all these other teams do. The Blazers still won on Wednesday. Dame only had 14 points. I think he shot like 5 of 17 from the field, and they still ended up winning. I think that was just a bad, like a terrible offensive game for both teams. Yeah, I'm looking at the box score now. No one on the Nuggets scored over 16 points. So like I said earlier, Jokic dominating Kanner, or he didn't really dominate last game, but... Jokic dominating a one-armed canner or Zach Collins doesn't really impress me. I got a question. Which one of these two teams do you think has the best chance of beating the Warriors or the Rockets? Like, which one of these two teams do you think would have the best chance of advancing to the finals after winning this series? Which is obviously a small chance for both. Blazers. Blazers. Yeah, I'm with you on the Blazers. My only thing about the Nuggets is they're a lot deeper. But I still would go Blazers because you can't count on Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, or Millsap on like a nightly basis. So yeah, I'll go Blazers too. Do you think that's a core that they can go forward with legitimately and trust? The Nuggets? Yeah, with, with Jokic, Murray, and Harris. And they're going to have Michael Porter coming back too. That's that's the key. I to say that, yeah. If Michael Porter can become their starting four-man, that'd be huge. 
Because Millsap's walking this summer. He's he's. I don't think they want to resign him. I'm pretty sure Michael Porter Jr. was like one of the top prospects in the country before that injury. So for all we know, he could be the steal of the draft. Just needs to get healthy. Prediction: He'll average north of 18 points a game next year. I could see it. I could see it too. He'll he'll be getting his touches next year for sure. What if Isaiah Thomas has a 2016-2017 repeat? <laughs> And we're talking. They re-sign him for the vet men again. I feel bad for that guy, honestly. Dude, like, looks like he was in prime position to land that contract. Now he's just been bouncing around ever since. Yep, that hip injury cost him 100 million. I went to uh, that game where he dropped 52 against the Wizards. Like, oh, after the overtime. I went to that game, like, man, that was special to watch. Oh my god. Crazy how much he's fallen off since then. That was the day after his sister died, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah. No, it was his uh, sister's birthday, I think. Oh. That, that's why it was so emotional. What about Bucks Celtics? Bucks and six. Bucks and six. I'm with it. Bucks and six. I expect Giannis to go off. I expect the shooters to hit shots. And I know Brogdon's not going to be there tonight. But if he can be like 75% of what Malcolm Brogdon has been to this team, I just think the Bucks have... Too many shooters and too much floor spacing for the Celtics to keep up. Middleton had a great game his last time out. If he can keep knocking down shots, that's going to be huge for them. Middleton's got to be one of the most underrated players in the league. He's, he's kind of like Tobias Harris. He's a little usage all-star. But I'm I'm going Celtics in six. I hate to give, say it. I'm going to give credit where credit is due, though. The Boston's done a relatively good job of at least somewhat containing Giannis throughout the series. Yeah, like he ha- he hasn't been great. He was good from the third quarter on of game two, but for the six quarters uh, before that, he was, you know, many tiers below what he has been for the entire season. The Celtics are defending Giannis exactly how the Sixers defended him. I read this article last week about how they're using tactics of like both ways from last year to throw different looks at Giannis the whole game. And then Al Horford is... I don't know how Al Horford defends Embiid and Giannis the way he does. He's slower, weaker. The only thing is he's like so smart, and he's he can just dominate these guys on the defensive end. I don't know how he does it. And he's long, and he can he One can of the best guys in the league at knowing how to play somebody before the shot goes up. Like he knows where he wants his feet as soon as he gets there. He knows what looks he can live and die with when it comes to guarding somebody. He just does so much work and is just top to bottom, always just mentally there. He's one of those guys that, like, you really need to watch the games to understand how valuable he is to the Celtics. He, he, Al Horford is not for the box score nerds. He's always going to be average Al to me, though. I hate his style of play, like, watching it. It's so ugly. His shot form is just so gross, but it just works. One of the best ugly good shots ever. Like, you would never coach a youth basketball team to shoot like that. And he always looks like a hunchback, too. It's right up there next to Aaron Baines whenever he plays against the Sixers. Gordon Hayward, he's been super inconsistent this whole year. And then, I don't know if we've only seen two games, but both games have been blowouts. So, I'm not sure what the, like, where this series is going to go. It's, I think this next game three will be a good indication of that. But... 
like having two blowout games that were completely different games in both times, like there weren't many similarities in each except for like Matt said, the six quarters of Horford guarding Giannis. There's not much similarities in both. So, and we saw that. Do you guys see those, that stat about Tatum being out of uh, 95 players at 100 ISOs? He was the night. He was 95th. Yeah, I did hear that somewhere. He's only 19. Yeah, he's averaging uh, four and a half points a game uh, this series. But no one talks about it because it's not Ben Simmons. And because and because he's only 19. Thank you. This is what I don't understand. Like, these other guys, these rookies, they're always, like, held to the standard of a rookie. When Ben Simmons, people talk about him like he's been a superstar for 10 years, which just goes to show who's really the best uh, player of these last few classes. Like, Donovan Mitchell, no offense to him, played awful. And he didn't have much help last series, but... He shot the ball horrifically last series, and no one talked about it. Like the the net basketball like analyst and the guys that cover basketball as a living, like they'll talk about it, but national media is not talking about it just because it's it's easy to go after Ben Simmons. So exactly, like we we see Tatum and Mitchell struggle, and they're like, oh, well, they're just young players and need to get t- some more time to develop. But if Ben Simmons struggles, then it's should the Sixers trade him? It's ridiculous. Yeah, that's how good he is. He doesn't get that caveat that the other guys do. How about real quick a prediction for game four? Oh, the Sixers. I say I say Sixers win game four. I yeah. They're gonna win. I'm feeling it. I'm th- I'm thinking a close one. I'm saying Sixers one oh eight, one oh three. Yeah, I'm feeling a two possession win. Yeah, it's gonna be another tight game. Toronto's gonna come out with a sense of urgency for I'm sure. Fe- I'm feeling like a late Kyle Lowry turnover that pretty much seals the deal for the Sixers. He's going to try to nutmeg. He's going to try to nutmeg Toby again. I just saw a tweet of somebody that uh, it was like a Facebook screenshot, and uh, Kyle Lowry and Kawhi were at an insomnia cookie last night at like 1 o'clock in the morning. (laughs) Kyle Lowry does not need to eat anymore. Dude, I met him, and he's like built like a running back. How how old is Kyle Lowry? He's like 34, right? He's around there. Greg Monroe is 28 years old. Just wanted to throw that out there. <laughs> Man. We were all born in the same decade as Greg Monroe. <laughs> when Ka- when uh, Kawhi leaves the Raptors, that team is going to be in shambles with all the other guys aging. And I mean, I know you have Siakam, but I feel bad for the organization. Yeah, Kyle Lowry's 33. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Sixer Sense podcast. Stay up to date with us on Twitter at Sixer Sense and visit us at thesixersense.com for more Sixers news, opinions, and more. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. 
Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.